Hello everyone and welcome to Pentecost Sunday. It is 50 days since we celebrated Easter, 50 days since we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Saviour Jesus. How cool is that? And today we get to celebrate the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Uh, but let's, uh, before we dive into the message, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you that we still get to gather together as a church. Thank you that even though we are separate, we still get to come together online and celebrate you and still feel like we're in communion with one another. I just pray, Father, for every church out there that is meeting today through technology, that you'll just aid with this strange feeling, Lord. I just pray as well for everyone that isn't able to do this, every church that doesn't have this technology available to them, and all those people that aren't able to meet, Father, I just pray that you will be there, that you will comfort them, that you will guide them, and that you will make them know that they are not alone because we always have access to you. Thank you, Jesus. We give this day to you and we celebrate you in your glorious name. Amen. Well, church, to, the title of my message today is The Gifted Fisherman. What I want to do is I want to track one character's journey through the biblical narrative uh, and what he learns along the way about this Jesus, about our King, about our Messiah, about our Lord. Before I just blur out his name, you might have guessed it already, but before I do that, I wonder maybe the, the, the story that I'm going to tell, uh, that I'm going to take from Scripture, might introduce us to him naturally. So we're going to begin uh, in, in Luke 3.15, and this is John the Baptist. Uh, this isn't the character we're following, but it's, it's a roundabout way of getting there. So John the Baptist is this guy who, who's really quite weird. He's eating all these herbs and all these uh, locusts and honey and very strange things. Uh, but he's speaking these incredible truths, and people are listening to him. And they go, people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What a cool introduction to Jesus, huh? This is, I mean, one who's going to come and baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. I like it. I think that's a pretty good introduction. You couldn't really ask for much better. But soon enough, Jesus comes along and uh, John the Baptist points over to him and he goes, behold the Lamb of God. And then we have that whole scene where, where John baptizes Jesus and the heavens open and we hear God the Father, we see the Holy Spirit and we see Jesus, a perfect picture of the Trinity together in one moment. It's really, really awesome. And then Jesus at this point is... Uh, emboldened with, with the power of the Holy Spirit that, as Nick said last week, pushes him into the desert to spend those 40 days. Jesus has laid aside all of his divinity, all of his kind of power. It, it says uh, that he doesn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he relies completely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of the people watching this, some of the disciples of John, two guys in particular, they see this and they are amazed. They hear what John has said, and wow, they're excited. They're going... This is him, this is the Messiah, this is the guy we've been waiting for. And one of them, Andrew, he rushes back to his brother to tell the good news. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and he would follow Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, that's Simon Peter, and tell him, we found the Messiah. It's exciting. Now, Peter, this is the guy that we're really gonna be following uh, uh, on, in this message. Peter is a fisherman. 
Him and his brother, they, they run this small little fishing business. Uh, they go out every day or maybe every other day. I don't quite know how often they would, but they go out, they go through the night, they catch fish, because that's when it's best to catch. They bring them in, they sell them. Now, they've got to be pretty good at this, because if, I'm guessing for, for all of us, if we provide for our families and if we make a living in what we do, we've got to be pretty good at the thing we do. So Peter is definitely a good fisherman. I almost think the Bible gives him a pretty bad rap because the examples that we see of him fishing don't always end that well, but that's what the Bible's decided to do, so fair enough. But I, I think Peter was at least a good fisherman. Now, we're going to uh, go into one of these examples, actually, of when, when Peter goes out and fishes with his brother Andrew. And they, they have been out all night, all night fishing, and for some reason, nothing. Nada, zilch, zippo. They catch not a single fish. Again, bad rap for Peter as a fisherman. I know, I'm, I'm fighting to make his case here. But the, the, they bring the, the, the boat in and they end, up fish, uh, they end up cleaning their fishing nets. And it just so happens that Jesus is on that very same shore, that very same beach in Galilee. And it says in Luke 5, Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. The story continues. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put it out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now this, this must be kind of annoying. Like it's, have you ever, you've ever been really good at something, like you know exactly how to do something and someone comes along with absolutely no experience and goes, have you tried it this way? Remember, this Jesus, he is a rabbi, a teacher, someone of the law. He's pretty good at that stuff, but he is by no means a fisherman. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I can imagine there's this really big pause here before, but we haven't caught anything. Who's going to speak first? Oh, it's really awkward. Okay, okay, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And I can imagine now, Peter, looking at Jesus. All right, I'll take it from this side. I'll throw it all the way onto the other. There we go. Nets there, hanging loose, nothing happening. He gives Jesus a little look. Jesus looks back and gives him a little smile. Are you sure nothing's happening? I think something might be happening. And then suddenly Peter starts to feel a tug. The nets start to tighten and a force underneath the water starts to pull and pull and pull. So he tries to pull it up, but he can't. He can't with all his strength. So he calls his brother, Androver, and they, they drag it up. They bring it, bring it, bring it. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. The amount of fish that this must have been is incredible. I don't think Peter probably ever saw quite a catch like this. In fact, some of the other gospel accounts say this, this catch filled two entire boats. And I can imagine Peter looking up at Jesus and making his first realization about the man in front of him. Jesus knew more about his gift than he did. And it's the same thing for you and me. Jesus knows more about your gift than you do. I said before, Jesus was a teacher, a rabbi, uh, someone who knew the law of God. Peter was the fisherman. And yet Peter looks at him 
And he remembers, because Andrew had already told him that we found the Messiah. He must have already pointed him out if he knew who he was. But in this kind of verse that we've been seeing, this, this small story, there wasn't that kind of moment of realization until we see this, until the miracle had happened. This is the man. This is the Messiah, the one who is apparently going to fill us with, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And suddenly Peter feels completely inadequate completely inadequate that he would even dare say we've been fishing all night so we he says depart from me i am in i am a sinful man and so jesus here says no come on get up don't worry just just come and in fact jesus here as i said in my last sermon says follow me leave your gift behind leave what you do behind right now and just come follow me Leave behind the skills you use to provide for your family, the the skills you use to to, to make money, and come follow me. And here Jesus makes a promise to Peter and to the others. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's what we kind of talked about last time I I was speaking, and it's it's quite a bold statement. I'll make you fishers of men. I don't think Peter quite understood what he meant. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have understood what he meant. I get the whole fishing analogy for men now. How do you fish for men? Do I use a rod? Do I use a net? What kind of bait do you use? It's a strange thing, but this is a promise Jesus has made. And so far, Peter has heard two promises from Jesus. He will be baptized with Holy Spirit and with fire. And that he will be made a fisher of men. And so Peter follows. Peter follows Jesus for his ministry for three years. He follows him into places like Samaria, a place that he would usually hate to be in and hate to be associated with. He follows him in a feeding of 5,000 people where he sees miracles of of fish and bread multiplying. He follows him across the Lake of Galilee as he's stepping on the water and it's really quite scary. He follows him into the city of Jerusalem as they sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, holy is the king in the highest. He follows him as he watches Jesus perform miracles and do incredible things and tell parables. He follows them to the garden of Gethsemane where he sees Jesus arrested. He follows him so hard that he actually tries to cut off the ear of a, of a guard. He succeeds, and then he runs away. Secretly, he follows him as he sees Jesus' trial. But he doesn't want to be seen. At this moment, we, I'm sure most of us will know the story that people start asking him, hey, aren't, aren't you Peter, the one who follows Jesus? And Peter says, no, 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 no that, 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 that isn't me. That's somebody else. Three times he denies Jesus. And I think, I, I get the impression that He felt so ashamed because he kind of drops off the story for a little while there. Peter's not seen when Jesus hangs on the cross to die. He's not seen when he's laid to rest behind the tomb. Kind of crops up a little bit later when that's all passed, feeling very sorry for himself. I don't really need to dive into this story because we've already had Easter, but spoiler alert, Jesus comes back to life. Good news. And Peter is one of the first to to, to run to the tomb with John after Mary comes and tells them that the tomb is empty and he sees, oh goodness. And some of the gospel accounts talk about how an angel says that Jesus has gone before them to Galilee and to meet him there. 
Now, there's quite a few resurrection appearances before this happens. If we kind of line them all up, there seems to be a few others before they go to Galilee. But one way or another, they all end up back in Galilee. Back in Galilee, waiting for Jesus to appear again. That's what they've been told. And I can imagine that, that Peter just gets a little bit tired of waiting. I don't know, maybe it was the whole following someone for three years, seeing them die, then they're raised back to life, and it's all a little bit confusing. It, very joyful, very confusing. Why isn't he here now? And I can just imagine that they're, they're sitting on the shores of Galilee. It's where he's had his first meeting with Jesus, so perhaps he'll appear at the same place. But Peter's getting a little bit tired of waiting. So he says, very simply, I'm going out to fish. See, Peter was so frustrated that he went back to what he was good at. He went back to his skill set that he was told to leave behind to follow Jesus. And in this moment of difficulty, in this moment of hesitation, he goes, I just, I need a little bit of a break and I need something to make me feel good. I need to feel worthy. I need to feel like myself again. I tell you what, I'm just going to go back out to fish. I'm going. I'm going out to fish. And the other disciples say, okay, we'll, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat but that night they caught nothing. Oh, bad rap for Peter again. All night. All night they were fishing. And not a single one of them caught a thing. And in the morning, early, Jesus, he's back, stood on the shore. But the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, have you caught any fish? Oh, one of these people. No. They answered. So he said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. And they, they, this must have kind of like sparked some like, hold on, I've heard this before, but I think they were just knackered and tired and just didn't want to hear it. So they did. You can imagine them, the disciples, they, or at least Peter, he's the one with the net. So he would have thrown it on loosely, loose net, nothing there. And again, he looks over to that figure on the shore, a little bit further away this time, shrugs, nothing's happening. And he doesn't, he's not sure, but he thinks he might, he might have seen a smile just then. And then suddenly the net begins to tighten. There's a force underneath and it begins to pull. And suddenly he starts to, to pull up, but he can't, he can't. So he calls Andrew over, Andrew comes, grabs the nets and they pull, but they can't. He, he calls all of them over, all the disciples, Thomas, uh, James, John, come over and pull, 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 but nothing is happening. It's so many fish that they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Oh, he was excited. As soon as Simon Peter heard him saying that, he wrapped his outer garment around him, jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And I can imagine Peter swimming as fast as he can, the boat behind him, and he manages to get up onto shore to see Jesus, the, 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 the one he followed, the one he wanted to leave everything behind for. And he comes up onto the shore and sees Jesus in front of him. And then he looks down, and sees a small fire and some fish cooking already. They saw a fire of burning coals where there were fish on it and some bread. The thing that Peter thought would make him feel better, the thing that Peter thought he needed to accomplish, he needed to catch some fish to make him feel good again. 
Jesus already had. And I think in this moment where, when Peter's standing there, even after three years, he looks at Jesus, this man who he chose to follow, looks down at the fish and realizes that Jesus already has everything he needs. And it's the same with you and me. Sometimes we, we, we think that we need to go back. We're just, following Jesus can be tiresome sometimes. We're like, do you know what? I need to go back to what I'm good at to find a bit of self-worth. I need, to, I need to spend some money doing this or I need to spend some skills doing that or I need to... But when we turn back and go, oh, I, I didn't find it there. I didn't find my worth back in what I was doing. And we, and we come back to Jesus. We see that Jesus is there with everything that we already needed. Because when Peter comes and he sees Jesus, it's Jesus and the fish. It's not the fish and Jesus. Jesus isn't the add-on. See, Jesus is fully enough for us. But he's so gracious that he gives more. He's offering more than what he is. He's saying, hey, have some breakfast as well. Have some fish. I know the fish would have made you feel better. And you didn't catch any, so here, have some of mine. And Jesus spends kind of these, there's a lot of more post-resurrection uh, appearances. In fact, Jesus spends around 40 days with the disciples, appearing to them, appearing to crowds of 500. It, it's quite an exciting time. He sits with them, he eats with them, he laughs with them. It's, it must be amazing to have someone who you loved so much seen die and come back to life in this new, incredible form. And just like old times. Sitting, laughing, eating, joking. And the Bible talks in Acts 1. On one occasion, while he was sitting with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And here it is again. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's that promise that was in the beginning that John said would happen. And here's Jesus giving the same promise. And Ascension Day arrives and the disciples are there with Jesus and Jesus ascends into heaven. Pretty incredible. I don't know what that must have been like, but I, it must have been, I mean, awesome. Like, I mean, full of awe. And so faithfully, the disciples go back. Peter goes back with the, with the other ten the 11 of them crowded in that upper room and they wait, they wait for this promised Holy Spirit. And they spend time searching the scriptures, getting prepared, making sure they know everything. And I can just imagine Peter on his own one night in one of these 10 days and he starts to put things together. He starts to remember there was that promise, yes, that, that Andrew mentioned and Jesus said that he was gonna fill us with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus also said, he would make us fishers of men. Because up to this point, they hadn't fished for anything apart from a few failures of fish. None of the fishing for men had happened. But then it comes. The day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled up the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It's this moment where the Spirit floods in fire, Holy Spirit, just as was promised. And what is being poured into them is that same Holy Spirit that was seen in Genesis 1 hovering over the waters. The same Spirit that was in the act of creation. The same Spirit, the Ruach, the breath of God that was blown into the nostrils of Adam, filling him with the breath of life. That same thing that I'm guessing must have left at the Garden of Eden comes back where it rightfully belongs. The same Spirit that Bezalel was, in, uh, was filled with to create the Ark of the Covenant. The same Spirit that Jesus suddenly was empowered by for his ministry of three years. The same Spirit that raised him to life. The same Spirit that is God, filled them, empowered them, emboldened them. Goodness me, what they must have felt and what amazing things they must have been speaking in all kinds of languages. And at this moment, it clicks for Peter. And he stands. See, the day of Pentecost is a busy, busy, busy day in Jerusalem. There would have been thousands of people from all corners of the earth coming together to Jerusalem because it was a religious feast, a religious festival. And Peter stands up, it says, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. See, Jesus knew more about Peter's gift than he did. And in this moment, Peter started to understand that he would grab his net he threw it out over the sea of people. This story that he was about to tell, this good news gospel of Jesus Christ, and he threw it over the people and held on. And everything he needed was Jesus because he didn't call over to Andrew for help. He didn't call over to James and John or to Thomas, no, no. He knew he had this because he was fully empowered by the Holy Spirit himself. The nets were cast. And if you read this sermon of Peter's, it's incredible. Full of conviction, full of love, full of authority and empowerment. It was, go read it. I'm not going to put it on here. I know we've had a lot of scripture, but nets out. And suddenly the Holy Spirit is the bait and it does its work. He starts changing the hearts of men, convicting them. And Peter starts to feel once again those nets tighten. And he starts to pull in, fully able to himself this time by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does it say? In Acts 2, chapter 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. My guess is the first time Peter caught the fish with Jesus. Maybe it was as many 3,000. I don't think so. That's a lot to fit in two boats. The boats weren't that big. The second time was only one boat and it was too big for them to bring in. Maybe it wasn't 3,000 that time, but this time, I think at this moment, when I don't know how it was, I don't think it was an altar call and all hands were raised, but I think it was hectic and busy, almost like dragging in those fish. I think Peter realized his third lesson about Jesus. Jesus transforms our gifts with the power of the Holy Spirit. What he wants used to provide for his family, rightly so. It's a gift, it should be. What he used to get finance, what he used to get by, what he used because he was good at it with his brother. Jesus transformed, the Holy Spirit transformed into something 
much greater. Something that would empower the kingdom of God. At that moment, Peter became a fisher of men. And I don't know about you guys, at home right now, you might have gifts. You might be incredibly gifted at, 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 at teaching, at accounting, at, at pastoral, like just being able to listen and give advice. Maybe it's football. Maybe it is uh, playing drums or music. Maybe it's writing. Here's what I know. That Jesus knows more about your gift than you do. That in fact, your worth does not come in your gift, but it actually is completely and utterly already in Jesus. He already has everything you need. And if you give that gift to him, Jesus and, he will transform your gift into something much greater, something far beyond you could ever imagine to be used for his glory, for his kingdom. The Holy Spirit was involved in the creation of the entire cosmos. And imagine what he can do with an ability to write, with an ability to teach, with an ability to listen. But we have to wait. We have to follow faithfully. And we have to be patient. And we have to accept the Holy Spirit to come in and empower us for his glory and not our own. I wonder if you could close your eyes and, and bow your heads. And if you want some of that life, some of that vigor, maybe you know that, that you've been relying on, 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 on your own talents, your own gifts, your own strengths, but you're like, actually, I, I need to give this to Jesus. I need to give this to my God. I need to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. I wonder if you could just Ask him right now, Lord, Father, I just pray that you will pour the Holy Spirit over this place right now. I pray that you will empower me to work for your glory, to work for your kingdom, to work for your gracious love, so that I can be used to be a fisher of men that I can be used to gather a huge harvest, that I can be used to glorify you. Lord, I just ask that right now. Amen. Church, it's been really great sharing with you. I hope you can take something from this message that can encourage you, that, that you'll be able to take with you forward on this week. And, uh, and for those of you who, who don't, maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you've got kind of, this is the first introduction you've heard about him or you know something or you want to learn more, um, I just invite you to, to head over to our website. We've got an I said yes button and you can just join our Facebook group and we'll be in touch to kind of chat through who this Jesus is, who this Holy Spirit is, who this God is. It's an exciting journey. It's a scary one. But um, hey, we've got the creator, the God of gods on our side, the King of kings. So it is a good one. Um, it's a great journey. Anyway, I hope you have an amazing week. Stay blessed and I'll see you next time.